This podcast is brought to you by Mezcala Nursery, located at 6901 Orange Avenue, Long Beach, California, 90805. Mezcala, family-owned, family-ran since 2007. This place is my happy place, you guys. I'm there all the time. It's a giant piece of property full of greenhouses packed to the brim of everything you can possibly imagine, from your landscaping needs to houseplants to cactus and succulents. They even have a greenhouse solely dedicated to rare and obscure collector specimens. I'm talking, I've seen Monstera albos there. I've seen tide constellations there. Rare collector specimens that I can't even find online, I find them there. If you head over to their Instagram, at Mezcala Nursery, they keep their stories updated daily of these plants that can come and go really quick. You could miss it. Make sure to go check it out. Not only that, they treat you like family. I bring my kids with me, you guys, and I always have an amazing experience. Such great customer service, so helpful, so knowledgeable, and prices that can't be beat. Bring them a price from another nursery, they'll beat it. Bring them a price from a big box store, they're going to beat it. 6901 Orange Avenue, Long Beach, California, 90805, Mezcala Nursery. Tell them I sent you. Welcome back, everybody, to If Plants Could Talk. This is Garrett. I'm your host. I'm in my late night voice because the baby's sleeping, but I just wrapped up my interview with Selegna Soul. For those of you that don't know that, it's uh, Los Angeles backwards. I think that's pretty cool. David shared a wealth of information with us and did so graciously. He's got a ton of wisdom, yet he's really humble. And I have a feeling I'm going to have to listen to this episode a few times so I can absorb the information that he shared with me. I hope you guys enjoy. Here's David. Selegna Soul. How you doing? Welcome, David. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, happy to be here. Honored uh, and humbled to be on here, especially with uh, some of your past guests. Uh, really in good company. That's very kind of you to say thank you. I'm honored and humbled to have you as well. Uh, yeah, I'm very impressed. I'll, I'll start by saying I'm very impressed by your photography. I even I even uh, wandered my way over on I believe onto your photography Instagram. Do you have uh, one? Yeah, I do. Yes. I do. Uh, uh, yeah, that's that's mostly my life. You know, it started with photography. So started that early on, way before. Uh, well, kind of everything else, you know. Beautiful. But uh, <clears throat> street photography, as it's an easy way to describe it, but I, I, the photography I do is uh, taking photos of people in public spaces. Mm-hmm. Yes. Straight on. So. so like portraits? No, just uh, the mundane, you know, the everyday life. Candid. Candid, yeah. It's mostly candid. I've been documenting uh, downtown LA for like about 15 years and just walking down there walking the streets uh it's the way i learned about the city and how it's changing and the people how the people are changing beautiful yeah i really only glanced over it to be perfectly honest but uh even if we just focus on your plant photography your lighting and all of that man i love it the setting and and your greenhouse it's all very very beautiful and uh, we have that in common i i grew up shooting photos i love photography Great, uh, and so I'm, I'm actually excited to talk to you about that. Are, are do you shoot analog? I do, I do. I mean, that's how I started, and that's how I learned was all analog, developing my own film, oh, yeah. black and white, and, and uh, color. Uh, learned how to print. Nice, but uh, you know, like I was kind of like a very, very early adopter of digital, the digital format. Mm. I think I had a Apple Quick Take mm-hmm. 150 when it first came out and that was like whatever a whole <clears throat> half megabyte of you know your photos and that was like high res back then right like so. eight megapixels was like the best digital slr in the early days oh yeah and it was like thousands and thousands of dollars but yeah. uh yeah you know i do portraits and um one of the gigs that i you know when i paid gigs was shooting uh live concerts as well for different magazines and different outlets so 
I was doing that for a while as well, off and on. But, uh, you know, as soon as you have more responsibilities of a family and a full-time job, it's hard to be out until yes. two o'clock at night, you know, shooting, shooting gigs. Yes. I had a similar experience. Uh, I used to get press passes with one of my buddies and we would go to festivals and uh, my ex got tired of me being away for weeks at a time, having the time of my life, you know, at music festivals all the time. So, yes, yeah, so I would shoot uh <clears throat> local cella. Yeah. So, uh, they'd all, all the bands would have to stay here between the weeks. They'd all perform at the local clubs here. And so I'd spend my time bouncing around back and forth at night between different clubs, shooting different bands. So wonderful. Yeah. A lot of fun. Yeah. It's, it's a young man's sport now. Sure. I mean, maybe the, maybe the festival, the festival life is for sure. I love medium format though. And like film, that's where my heart lies for sure. But I, I also shot a lot of digital too. And I took some photography classes over the years. I attempted to go to the art Institute, but I did not complete. Um, but yeah, that's a passion of mine for sure. And it's, it's, it lingers in the back of my mind. It's not in the forefront. Uh, apparently now podcasting is <laughs> at, at the front, but, um, cool. Tell me, how long have you been collecting cactus? Um, well, you know, it all started with uh, collecting succulents. My mm -hmm. mom was a big collector of succulents, and she also grew uh, cymbidiums, which is a type of orchid. Mm -hmm. uh, so she was always in the garden um, cutting and collecting succulents, and I'd help her propagate them and make more plants for her garden and my dad was, you know, from the old old world, you know, he, he was all about gardening, but gardening for sustenance and food. And uh, so he would, uh, he would um, <clears throat> uh, grow vegetables for uh, peanut bet, you know, I don't know if you know what that is, but it's a vegetable stew. It's a Filipino vegetable, okay. stew. lima beans and bitter melon and okay. kind of gross things that I don't like, but but that's what he would grow that kind of uh, those kind of vegetables. Yeah. My mom never cooked that for us, but uh, you're Pinoy, right? Both your parents. I am. Yeah. My parents uh, both immigrated to the United States uh, for college. My mom went to uh, school in Chicago and my dad went to Cal Poly Pomona over here in California. So beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. My mom, my mom moved from the Philippines when she was young. Um, cool. Yeah. So I'm first gen. First gen. Yeah. I'm half, I guess I'm half first gen. Um, awesome. So did you take any of that on the, the veggie gardening? Do you still do any of that? I do. I do. I just, I have a vegetable box that I grow vegetables, uh, zucchini, Righteous. tomatoes, um, get my tomatoes from tomato fest down at Descanso gardens when it was open mm. and grow those. I have, what I have going on right now. I've got mint and thyme and basil and, um, yeah. Yeah. Mostly, mostly it's like zucchini and, and tomatoes is what we, we like to grow because it's pretty successful here in Southern California. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Um, sorry. I don't know why I'm so nervous. Uh, tell me, tell me more about that. That's an awesome bond that you're able to have that with your parents on both sides as well. Uh, do you have any children? I do. I do. I have a, 17 year old uh, daughter who's who's in a senior in high school and i have uh, another daughter who lives in manhattan that just finished school beautiful and have you passed on any of those traits the the plant loving traits not to my younger daughter but my older daughter is really she's my buddy i mean she's kind of like she's like mini me she she has the same interests uh so when she's in town for summer vacations or spring vacations we'll take our trips down to Vista and Fallbrook and visit all the growers down there and, and uh, check out plants and geek out on plants and we'll buy a few things and figure out what will survive in her New York apartment and I'll oh. ship them to her. So very cool. Yeah. yeah. She, wow. she enjoys it. She tries to grow a lot of house plants and, and things like that, but uh, yeah, it's fun. It's fun to share that with your kid you know, to have a certain bond and you know, she, she loves music as well. So we would go to festivals as well together and, and do the plant thing. And then my younger daughter is into her own, her own world, you know, doing different things, but they're both very artistic, um, mm. which was interesting because 
I didn't grow up in a very artistic household, you know, it was very, uh, very Asian, you know, traditional, traditional you know, you had three choices, a uh, doctor, lawyer, and engineer, right? That's what oh, you had. a nurse. <laughs> you weren't yeah. expected to become a nurse. No, even though my mom was a nurse, my mom worked, uh, at children's hospital for like 35 years. Yeah. So that's, Ooh. that's actually my first, uh, volunteer job. I used, I was a, volunteer at, at children's hospital oh so, very cool yeah nice that's so but, cool that you have that bond with your daughter and it's interesting how each kid ends up with their own personality and i i can only hope that uh one of my children ends up with the same interests as me and yeah i heard you say something about cymbidiums i love orchids that's where like i first started growing plants uh, i really like vandas and uh, yeah, I collected orchids a lot. I used to go to orchid shows when I was younger. And uh, my grandmother really loves orchids as well. She's unfortunately getting a little old now, so she's not able to care for her plants as much. Uh, I went over there to visit her recently. And like during the pandemic, she like wasn't going out much. And I would say the majority, like 90% of her plants are all dead. So I was super bummed on that. But we got her some plumerias, like some low maintenance plants and give her a watering can so she can continue with her you know still do it a little bit she's like 90 years old almost now wow and, yeah well i mean that's nice too because I, I think like like anything it's it's just like watching things grow and when they when when the plants die they do bum you out but then there's also there's always a chance for regrowth and re-nurturing and and, and bringing things back to life yes. that's where i get one of my my greatest satisfactions is if I do see a, a plant struggling and I kind of do what I can to, to keep it going. And, you know, plants die, you know, we, we can't be all, you know, hundred percent successful, but, you know, we try to get a, a decent success rate and, yes, and keep them yes. growing. And hopefully we, you know, I could pass on some of these older cactuses to, to my kids and they can take care of them. Yeah. So that's the idea. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's just a, a living sort of token of, of, of appreciation of life. So. Yes. Yeah. It's like a tangible, long lasting thing that you truly can pass on from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. That would be awesome. Um, how, what kind of specimens uh, do you have that you would like to do that with? And, and something also that uh, I got some feedback, people were asking me for more specific plant uh, information, for example, like a plant that you've struggled with, we'll get there. I'm just kind of going to lay it out for you. Like plants that, that you've struggled to keep alive, more difficult ones, um, you know, plants that maybe you have more knowledge about things like that. But, uh, yeah, let's just start with the, with the specimens that you'd like to pass down. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, one of the things that I always like to, um, recommend is if you do buy a plant and you're interested in a plant do some research on it you know think about like your lifestyle it's like buying a a a dog or a cat right like not going to get a pet if you're not going to be home right if you travel a lot you're not going to get a dog or but um but yeah just do do diligent research and uh you know these aren't like handbags or sneakers you know i think i think a lot of people <laughs> in acquiring these things and they forget that they need they're living beings and they need to be taken care of so yes. one of the things i like to do is i have i have books like uh so one of the type of um uh, cactuses i like to collect are terrating carpuses very cool as well as um uh, Ario carpuses. So I have these books and I use them. I've read them and, and I go back to them for, for reference. If there's something that I could, um, you know, situation that I come up with mm. that I, and I, I, I can't figure out for myself or I forgot what I read, but, um, but let me see. I have a pulled a couple of plants from the greenhouse. So this is a, I don't know if you see that. Yeah. Everything carpus lophoroides. And so this is a small one and he just started, he ended his bloom cycle. Mm. Um, and they're pretty cool just cause they, turbidity carpuses are, are small. So you could actually, you know, they don't, they, they're very compact and they don't grow very quickly. 
um, and they stay relatively small, but they have like this little wool, yeah. um, wool to them that stays with them for a pretty long time, long time. And so uh, this guy must the be... aerial carpets. Correct. Yeah. Very, very similar to the aerial carpets. They're all from the same area, you know, northern Mexico, um, the loafs, and I do have, uh, let me show you this. This is an older Lafafroides, this guy. Wow. How old is that? This guy is about 40 years old. Wow. He's a big guy, and he's in a Daniel pot, cactus cult ceramics. Big call out to to Daniel. He makes the best. I just got one the other day, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's Very beautiful. Cool Japanese firing. But yeah, that's what's in here. Um, yeah, his, his, uh, that's his uh, other Instagram account is Cactus Cult Ceramics. And his, his other, I think his main account is uh, people are saying Da Powdery. And he's like, no, that's, it's a DA, you know, it's Daniel. That's his. Oh, they're one in the same? Yeah, yeah, slow down, one. slow down. I had no idea. I thought those were two oh. different people, dude. He had makes oh. sense because he was there when I checked out and I got the cactus cult ceramics pot. But wow, okay. Shows what I know. Well, maybe it's a secret. Maybe he doesn't want people to know. So you could cut that part out. <laughs> you um, think so? so this is uh Aztecium. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's a a pretty rare little cactus and extremely painfully super slow growing but they have beautiful pink flowers um and th- these are a little bit more tricky to, to grow because you could definitely kill these guys um mm. by too much water these guys need like little to no water they they, they grow on uh gypsum limestone cliffs okay. and um just on the crooks of the cliffs and and uh, they're just really interesting interesting um cactus that only grow in a very very specific area of northern mexico in mm. nuevo leon so and so how well. often are you watering those um probably like every four to six weeks it, it depends wow. on the weather. um if it's if it's super hot like it was last summer you know i'll, I'll probably t- water them once every seven days and, okay. you know at night uh, do the cam system uh but uh you know right now it's been kind of overcast and it just started warming up today again but it was like 70s in the 70s so i just kind of keep them keep them dry as as dry as possible and these guys like all inorganic you know uh, mix so i basically keep them in in my mix of inorganic uh, soil and here's another Sorry, I do. I do. I I, I fertilize them. Um, I kind of do a slow a slow fertilize. I, I'll use um, a seven 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 mix, okay. but you use like a quarter to a half uh, strength on them uh-huh. in, in the springtime, and just kind of slowly wean them until we get into the you know the, the summer months like June, and then I'll and then I'll start increasing the the amount of fertilizer that I'm that I'm going to feed them. And then I'll taper that off when it just gets super extremely hot, like, you know, in August, end of July, August, mm. and I'll pick it back up until, until they start, everything starts going dormant. So. Interesting. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to give you some words of encouragement. I think you're the perfect guest to uh, explore this more plant specific thing. So I'm very grateful that I'm talking to you right now. Thank you. Oh, cool. Yes. And I'm glad I could help other people, you know, just learn about it. So it's fun and interesting. And I think people, um, if they get into it, they should learn how to, you know, take the best care of the plants they can. So you're absolutely right. Um, this is another, um, guy that's, uh, lives in the same area as the Aztecium. These are Geohintonia Mexicanas. Okay. So I have this in, just crumbled uh, limestone that I, I just got a limestone rock and smashed it up. And then I have some gypsum, uh, just top dressing, just to make it look kind of cool. Very cool. Habitat and looking in a Katoy pot. So that's a Katoy pot. And yeah. small pot. Shout out so, to Katoy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then my last 
one I like to show is Ariocarpus, this Hintonii. Hmm. Um, so they have their little patterns and, you know, when you look at, see them in habitat, you almost, you know, you're stepping on them. You can, can't even see them because they're so, um, they're inside the, the, the soil and the substrate, uh, completely almost buried. Um, so it's not until like late fall that you start seeing their, their little pink or magenta flowers peek out oh, wow. of the sand. So that's where you find them. Okay. Yeah, in, in northern northern Mexico and and southern Texas. Very cool. And what yeah. about watering requirements for the aerial carpets? I mean, do they vary depending on, like, you know, it's it's you know it's interesting because people will ask me like, well, how much do you water and fertilize? And everybody has a different soil mix. Yeah. And uh, and different. Um, you know, areas that they have them in their, in their house, like if they have it partially shaded or if it's in full sun or if they have a greenhouse and, you know, there's a lot of microclimates, you know, microclimate here in, in LA is going to be totally different than your microclimate in, you know, Riverside County or Fallbrook and and Vista where they grow most of these guys. Um, So it's, it's, it's hard to tell, but, you know, I just kind of, I try to keep a schedule where um, I'll water every 10 days, mm. 10 to 10 to 14 days, um, depending on, it, it depends on the plant, you know, the, definitely like the Aztecians and the Aerocarpuses, I'll, I'll water those a lot less than I will with my Codex plants that are, are fully leafing. Mm. So, um, but yeah, I just kind of gauge it and you just read it and take a look at your plant. And if it's not looking so good, maybe pop it out of the, out of the planter and feel the roots and see what the roots are doing. And if there's, um, you know, mealy bugs, or if you have fungus growing, then you have, you know, treat them accordingly. You know, almost the plant will tell you when it's, it's not doing too good. It's not going to look so healthy. So, uh, but yeah, it's always, it's always good to just like, you know, figure it out and try different things. And if you do it long enough, you know, you have enough, mileage and experience with a certain plant then you'll be able to tell you know yes just by sight yes you know there's different monitors like uh there's water meters Mm -hmm. uh, tell you what your ph balance is they also have soil meters that will tell you what your soil ph is so you know you could use certainly use those tools to help you figure out what your plant needs mm. and what are your thoughts on soil ph I, i'm not very familiar i know i understand water ph mm-hmm. um, but what what is like a target soil ph that you'd be looking for target soil ph probably between like six six five you know six between six and six point five okay so similar know. to the water similar to the water yeah okay. yeah um they have those inexpensive um meters that are both a ph soil meter and a water meter they have just the prongs you could just use those okay uh give you an idea and then they have more expensive ones made by blue lab that will give you accurate readings on both Mm -hmm. yeah you could get really uh esoteric with your tools you know and get really into this hobby and start spending like silly money well i mean like if you these plants are silly expensive you know for what and it's gotten crazy in the last, well, during pandemic, it got crazy and uh-huh. post pandemic, but we'll see what happens. Like when, when life gets back to relatively normal stuff and, and people find other ways to occupy their time, you yeah. know, they venture outside their house now. Yeah. So in comparison to when you started collecting when exactly was that again? I might not have absorbed it. What- oh, like, um, so I was collecting before uh, the pandemic, but definitely during the pandemic, okay. it just exploded. Uh, I think everybody was looking for something to do, but also uh, a sense of community. Yeah, And I think that's why um, the plant community, and especially here in Southern California, became really strong really quickly because I think everybody was looking for some way to, to, to socialize yes. and plants through Instagram was a great way. Yes. And then it just happened to be that nurseries were essential businesses and were not affected by the shutdown. And 
people felt safe going into the nurseries because it was outdoors. Correct. So, I mean, really during the pandemic, that was the first, you know, we, we huddled down for like the first few months and then I started going out of my head, you know, bonkers because in a way it, it replaced my street photography. Mm. Street photography was kind of my golf. Okay. And we live in an area in, in LA where, um, we're close to the trains, the, the light rails. And I would always just walk a couple of blocks, get on, get on the train and be in downtown and doing photography and meeting up with friends and hitting a bar or restaurant later on. Yeah. And so that was sort of my weekends. That was sort of my, my golf, but during the quarantine, the shutdown, you, know, you weren't able to really do that. So it kind of became a replacement for, it filled that void for me. Yeah. That's beautiful. It's crazy yeah. how drastically our lives changed overnight, you know, and we had no idea just how long it was going to last. And I think, right. I think some people, their lives might be changed permanently, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. You know, there's some things changed for the better. Sure. Or, you know, I think we have a better outlook in life of what is essential and what's important mm. and certain people do for a living is more important than other things. Yeah. And it made me take a look at what I was doing and my impact. When I'm at home, I realized, wow, I I create a lot of mess and I create a lot of waste. And so I try to figure out like how can I how can I lessen that impact of of what I'm consuming? You know, we're all we're all just all just like primates. You know, we're just like consumers and we just yes. we're we're just trained to to consume and purchase and buy and collect and hoard and mm. you know you just start realizing when you are at home and we're, we're using our homes a lot harder than what when we did when we were working you know in in the office or whatever yes. yeah you realize the impact you're you're placing on your your own personal space right. by being here all the time right yeah creating so more trash yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if it helps you and it makes you realize those aspects of your, of your life, then it, you know, it's, it's great to acknowledge it, you know, and, and, and admitting it and seeing where you can adjust from there. So, well, there's a lot of wisdom in what you just said. And yeah, I found myself realizing the fragility of life and more community. I became more involved in like my community and with my family you know, and it made me really value things and even such things as toilet paper, right? <laughs> like yeah. having toilet paper. Right, right. Yeah, it was strange. It was really strange. So when did you build that greenhouse? It was around the same time, no? Well, I had the greenhouse. I started drawing up plans for it before the, um, well, it was probably during Christmas time before okay. the pandemic. Uh, just got a, a piece of graph paper and started designing ideas. And it was based upon the space that I was sort of allowed to put it in. You know, I, my wife wanted, didn't want this thing, this greenhouse dominating the backyard, sure. you know? So uh, there was a corner that, that a space that I wanted to put it in and just utilize the space. And there, it was just, kind of a, a, a dead void in, in the very far back corner of, of the garden. Mm. Uh, and the only thing that was there was this giant Nopalis that would just have, was just infested with cochineals. I don't know if you know what the little sure. white furry things. Yeah. Um, um, and so I decided to put it there and uh, just grab some graph paper, pencil, ruler, you know, protractor and just started designing an overall idea and i had some inspiration from some of the greenhouses that i would look that i would see on instagram and Mm. you know on the internet and so i kind of incorporated those ideas into the design and i knew i didn't want a fully enclosed greenhouse just because how hot it gets here in southern california so it's kind of like a i wanted to create like a, a hybrid greenhouse uh, shade house mm. and I think yeah, that's right as 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 quarantine happened and then we were starting to get some of those I'm trying to think the weather was really hot for like one week it got like insanely hot here like mm. 110 100 
15 degrees. Wow. I'm spending a lot of time moving my plants and shuffling them from one side to the next, hmm. depending where the sun was going. And, and a lot, a lot of my plants got scorched. And so that was sort of the, the catalyst for me to, to build a greenhouse and just get that thing going. You know, unfortunately wood got really expensive. Well, sure. It doubled at that time oh. sort of in the beginning. It was like February where I started buying materials. It was like March. They started buying materials, but now I think it's like four times as expensive nowadays wow. just because of the, you know, it's just a shortage of, of, of materials. Um, An increase in people building things. Is that what happened? Cause everyone yeah, was home. A lot, a lot of people started doing home construction, mm. building fences, yeah. uh, so redwood, which is what I made my greenhouse out of mostly, and PT, uh, pressure-treated wood, um, was relatively expensive and scarce. And you, know, you couldn't go to your super box store and find them because all, all was left was like toothpicks and shredded pieces of lumber. So you had to go to a, a real lumber yard and spend real dollars on real yeah. <laughs> expensive wood. So. Um, but I, you know, I got it together and figured out what I wanted in terms of the design and the materials and then figuring out the engineering part of it. And we, um, we, uh, rehabilitated or sorry, um, restored an, an old house, uh, craftsman house here, um, mm. where I live. It's, it's, a, it was built in 1905. So, um, we have a lot of, uh, this is like the third house that we kind of um, re renovated. We like to buy old houses and, and fix them up and Very I like cool. the character of them. So, you know, we have a lot, I had a lot of tools, a lot of sort of know-how. I'm not a builder by trade, um, but if it's a project that I, I want to put together, I'll, I'll figure it out. Um, yeah, it's just just figuring it out is, is half the battle and, and then um, just executing it. Yeah. So, that was kind of my next question was, uh, was this something you had experience in doing? It sounds like just like self-taught from home, from restoring yeah, just, homes, just restoring homes, home renovation, woodwork, sanding, um, you know, getting your nail first nail gun and, you know, figuring that out and how to use it and without killing yourself and the skill saw and table saws and things like that. So I had all the equipment and, you know, we bought our first house in Pasadena back in the late yeah, like 97, I think, or 98. It was an old 1920s house that needed a lot of work. So, um, you know, first time home buyer and, you know, no money because you're paying all your mortgage, you figure out how to do things yourself. And of course, with every new project, you need a new tool. So mm. by, by, by the time I, I've restored and moved different cities, uh, I think how many houses have moved about four or five times in the last, like, 10 years. Wow. I shouldn't say that 20 years. Um, you know, you just figure things out on your own and, and, uh, and then also, you know, asking different, uh, tradesmen, like, how do you do certain things and, uh, you know, getting tips on how to build things. And yeah, the trick is not to kill yourself doing it, <laughs> <laughs> which is like, I've gotten hurt with tools and yeah. not being super safe with tools, but, uh, but yeah, you learn and, uh, and it's really, um, uh, satisfying doing things and building something and say, you know, stand back and go, yeah, kind of that, that was on paper and there it is in front of me. And now I'm using it and putting my plants in there and they're thriving and, yeah. uh, you know, everything, it's still a process, you know, I still have to tweak it, you know, or you figure out where certain plants do better because there's mm -hmm. more sun on one corner. Oh, or like I, I have these shelves that are basically built for me because I could reach, you know, it's uh, my main shelf is 36 inches. So it's uh, high. So it's like counter counter height. Mm -hmm. And then I have another shelf that's um, at five feet because that's just my eye level. Mm -hmm. So and I could reach over and those are two feet wide shelves. And then I have a bottom shelf that's uh, 12 inches, 12 inches off the ground to for storage and my seedlings and stuff mm -hmm. uh, that's shade so you know certain parts of the greenhouse get hotter i added a an exhaust fan uh and 
that's solar powered. And then I realized that wasn't enough when it gets super hot. Like mm. uh, the greenhouse gets about 10 to 12 degrees hotter than the ex outside. Yeah. So then I, I installed a, a, a fan on the inside to just get across okay. uh, sort of uh, circulation for the plants. Mm. And that's another thing is like plants do need airflow yeah. between so we're trying to pack as many plants as we can together um so we tr you try not to restrict the airflow between them it's just as important as soil and water mm, mm. what well, didn't you just add a new shelf as well like a couple of days ago i did Where, where's that one now right um it's it's on the south facing wall and it's just a six inch shelf Mm. Uh, my, my greenhouse is uh, like 16 feet long, so mm -hmm. just adding just less than 10, 10 extra square feet so I could put more plants. Uh, I need to, you know, in a way, um, everyone's like, oh, you need a bigger greenhouse. Of course, I, you know, I already have plans that are um, I've drawn up for an, an annex. Of, <laughs> but in a way, I'm like, you know, it's kind of good that it is this size because I could really take my time and I with each plant and and you know i think if i doubled the size or got a bigger greenhouse i barely have enough time to 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 take care of the plants that i have yeah. right now with everything else going on in my life so it's a good it's a good balance i think the size that i have and the amount of plants and i got to start purging some plants you know but i did add that extra shelf just because it, it it's utilizing that space to yeah. its fullest yeah, that's very cool, man. You're very multi-talented, and uh, yeah, I'm, that that makes me happy, man. I, I'm stoked on to hear about this. Uh, so, what what about the fans? Uh, when your is your exhaust fan? Is it like a can fan, or what what kind of fan is exhausting it? It's just oh, it's just a um, it's it's like an attic fan. It's okay. like an exhaust fan. Just uh, you know, when it it has its own um, thermometer, so when it reaches a certain temperature, it turns on. Cool. By, it's hooked up to a solar panel and that's another thing i, I didn't think i was going to need electricity and i'm kind of glad i i had a guy come in and run conduit mm. uh, into it because i'm actually in there at night more right. than i am during the day just because i work all day and then i'll just walk in there flip on a light and the lights that i have are, are grow lights mm. uh, sense grow lights so i could technically extend the day of daylight yeah. in there especially during the winter months yeah even though you know it's, it's not super close i can't lower them closer to the plants but uh at least it's something there and, and i could spend some time at night you know, taking care of plants pulling mealies you know cool. like everything else does so and does that disturb them at all having the light on past past you know that what 18 hour mark or yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's like, I think the, the time is go, uh, the sun goes down around seven o'clock nowadays. So mm -hmm. um, I'll just be in there for like half an hour to check the plants or an hour. Sure. I don't think it's going to make a huge difference, but I think during uh, the winter months, I think it, it helps them out if I mm. just extend a little bit longer. Um, but there's no heat. It's just all light. Yeah. So, so certain things kind of uh shut down you know at night on the plants so yeah they're not close to the light at all because okay. my 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 ceiling is i think the ceiling's about yeah it's about eight feet yeah my four by fours are about eight feet so before i put before the um acrylite um is it twin wall twin wall twin wall polycarbonate mm -hmm. so or perhaps if there was a a sun blackout for some reason or uh, multiple days where it was dark you would be able to keep your plants alive oh yeah you know there's uh you know on rainy days mm. i could turn it on and i also have a heater in there so i could turn that on that's on a thermostat um Very cool. but i could just you know maintain it as 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 much as i can so uh when it was overcast i had the lights on was it last week or the week before there's like two days of overcast and I just had the light on. Mm. I don't know if it really made a difference, but I haven't had it long enough to, to really see the difference. 
or know the difference. So, so do you have all or the majority of your plants in there? Um, the bigger plants started getting booted out. Yeah. <laughs> outside, they get kicked back outside to my. Um, I have a bench that I had most of my plants on uh, when they were outside. So mm -hmm. those things are coming back out as I'm filling it up with new stuff. So yeah. Are there any, yeah. are there any that, that can't live in there that you have outside already anyways? Uh, agaves, you okay. know, agaves pretty much do better in the ground. So I've been sure. uh, working on my backyard and doing a little aloe agave sort of forest in my backyard mm. and some pebbles and doing that kind of landscape. So yeah, a lot of the agaves do much better grounded. Sure. And, and yuccas do do well. I love yuccas. Yeah. Yeah. And the columnars, you know, those are, when I'm running out of room, those are the, the next guys that come out and I'll start sticking those in the ground as well. Very cool. So do you have like a centralized focus in the greenhouse that you, are you focusing on the aerial carpus, turbino carpus? That's pretty much my interest. Yeah. Turbs and loafs and, mm. and aerial carpuses are, kind of like what I, I really focus on and I enjoy those and they just sort of fit well um, with myself and my lifestyle and yeah. they don't need too much care. You know, I think the more you try to care for them, uh, the worse they do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, you just kind of, you know, not, I don't, they're not fussy plants, you know, they kind of take care of themselves. Yeah. But I like the look of them, just the symmetry and the, the shape. I'm all about aesthetics and they're, they're very, um, they're very appealing and, and they got the funny little wool. So you get to pet them. They're like yeah. little pets, you know, or brush their hair like uh, Jesse. <laughs> yeah. 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 Some people really, you know, they look picture perfect. Yeah. I kind of like them a little, you know, harder grown and okay, like, like they were in habitat, but yeah, you know, it's just as much, everyone has their own sort of aesthetic. Yeah. And, but like, I, I just like them. I don't mind having a little character to them. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And aesthetic is a good way to describe uh, your collection and at least the, the way that it's presented on social media, man, the, the night shots, especially. I very much enjoy those. Are you shooting those with a camera? I am. I am. Yeah. I just, uh, I have a couple of cameras that I use. Um, I have a little Olympus OMD. It's like a micro four thirds. Very cool. Uh, with a 35 mil, but I could, it's a it's a fast 35 mil it goes down to 1.8 uh, f-stop so that gives you the nice shallow depth of field and i also shoot i mean this is my street camera this is i shoot uh leica okay 10 so i use this uh with a 50 millimeter 1.4 uh, gets really technical yeah, but um yeah, I'm, I'm open to it it gives you the nice depth of field yes. uh, which is i don't know you know it's cool right it's a different look smaller f-stops letting in more light yeah correct yeah shallower depth of field yeah. yeah 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 i'm fascinated by photography dude i love like long exposures that's one of my favorite things is taking long exposures even on a on a small f-stop you know and when uh you can create like beams of light almost like rays of light when you when you take a photo of, of a just a circular light but you have a small f-stop on a long exposure it creates those i don't know what it's yeah. called but yeah, and I love like moving lights, uh, all those things. I, I love nighttime photography for sure. So, those guys are doing amazing uh, time-lapse photography with uh, the flower blooms and some oh, yeah. of the growth. It's just, it's awesome. You know, it's just another different type of photography. You know, everyone has their, their look uh, just depending on what their light setup is and what they like and what their settings are and what they take pictures of. Yeah. I approach with these cameras are going to be different than if I'm shooting uh, a medium format hmm. um, film camera. You know, this is uh, Rolly Flex medium format. 120 or? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's 120. Um, so it's, it's different. You know, you change your approach based upon your equipment. And that's kind of like with everything, you know, I think even with plants, you, you approach the, the care of plants based upon what you have, you know, the space made available, all the tools that you have um, and the knowledge 
that you accumulate. And the best way to, to learn about plants is, you know, I've, I found a wealth of information from some of the older yes. growers and some of the older club members that just, you know, they've been doing it for 40, 50 years. Uh, and they have a lot of great, interesting knowledge. Um, but I also learn a lot from the younger guys um, be, because they're they're experimental sure. and try different things and they're you know they'll, they'll just go head head into it you know right. without they're willing like, to take risks risk and endless amounts of energy which is awesome you know <laughs> and I think that's what this community needed was the injection of um, uh, excitement you know mm. they this just sort of they're very um, they're very jazzed into this sort of what was an older gentleman's kind of hobby and, you know, could be perceived as bland. Yeah. Yeah. Bland and boring botanist horticulture, you know, it's, it wasn't terribly exciting, but now, you know, you get injecting a new spirit into the industry and, you know, there's a lot of great fertilizers and amendments and, uh, from the pot industry you know if you want anything to to do anything it's like yeah the, the drug drug companies will figure out a way or the, you know the drug industry will find a way to you know hydroponics all yeah. the amendments that are coming out of there and and fertilizers and the technology involved is mind-blowing so you know there's still so much to learn about yeah. how to grow these plants in particular or you know what i was listening to is it navarro like just about edibles you know like how that is going to change um yes this technology how it feeds the planet which could be super interesting to see yeah yeah it's got a lot of energy too i love it it's great yeah his (laughs) his beliefs i I love it too yeah he brought a ton of energy man uh i was really looking forward to that yeah, so arguably you're applying the same principles uh, from your photography knowledge and maybe other skills of yours and kind of blending it together. You have like a balance of your interests and passions kind of, you know, in a cyclical way all yeah. going around. I like to think so. You know, I'm a, I'm a Libra. So, you know, okay. it's all about balance. There's always good. There's always a yin-yang. There's always good and bad. And, you know, it's it's good to keep a balance of things because it keeps things in check. Yes. Yes. Sorry. I'm still nervous. No worries, man. This is cool. It's fun. You know, you know, it's, it's definitely not a topic. I I enjoy talking about myself. Why? I like talking about other people. Oh, you, I hear you. Yeah. Cause the, the spotlight is on. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I've never been one of these, you know, love to be on center stage and extroverted. You know, I'm I'm okay. You know, I, I I'm socialized, but uh, you know, it's just not one of those things where I need to be center of attention. Yeah, no, I hear you, but more so, I think that you're providing a service to you know, especially to the newer generation of people like myself coming into this. You know, and I very much respect that uh, the knowledge that you have, and I appreciate you providing it, man, graciously cool. at that. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome, and thank you. Yeah. Tell me about those books a little bit before we wrap up. We got like, you know, 10 minutes. Uh, you, I saw one of them said aerial carpus, et cetera. Yeah. You froze for a second. I think we're, yeah, we just froze for a second. You're okay now. Uh, yeah. It's just uh, these books that you could find. Uh, they're getting harder to find. Um, but uh, this will tell you all of the different varieties and, sort of where they live, their habitat, their characteristics, um, their growth cycle. It doesn't, and talks about a little bit about uh, hybridization of the two, but it doesn't really talk about like what's happening now with a lot of these uh, Japanese hybrids, these crazy cool um, Arocarpus hybrids that mm. they're, that, um, they're doing, um, you know, these CVs that, and greenhouse CVs and, from Japan or Indonesia or things like that, but it's a good basic, um, you know, book about uh, the plants that live. We also talk a little bit about um, lopes. 
Okay. So uh, just just uh, northern Mexico, Mexican cacti. Yeah. In area purposes, um, it's it's one of the more complete books. Very uh, cool. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's all about knowledge. I think you know, it just there's only so much you could find um, on on the internet. There used to be a really good um, resource. I think it was called iLife, but it seems to have gone dormant or or not accessible anymore. Mm. That had a lot of good information, but uh, you know, books do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I see more and more of those Zoom conferences popping up too, and yeah, I've been really stoked on some of the the YouTube premieres even of videos, but people sharing knowledge about these things. And it seems like uh, the indoor thing is what, like you were saying, hydroponics is kind of uh, changing the scene a little bit too, with all yeah. the indoor growing and the different things that you can do yeah yeah the the you know the clubs and the zoom meetings are great they have uh, a lot of people with vast amounts of knowledge doing these presentations and uh showing they do presentations of certain trips that they've taken Mm. to mexico or south america and i you know woody woody did a presentation for the lecss club um a few weeks ago and that was super interesting and he talked about um just you know his his experience with with growing and the characteristics that he looks for in in certain plants so Mm. you know there's a wealth of information out there just uh just have to go dig for it a little bit not too hard but i'll be honest i wasn't all that um drawn to like absorbing this kind of taking in this kind of information. And I just, I like plants, you know, I like growing plants. I never was really technical with it. Um, I did some technical growing with cannabis a little bit just because you have to, because it was indoors, but yeah, you've inspired me to, to want to take it a little more seriously. You and uh, Katoy too, as well. He got into some of that as well, you know, and I'm starting to see that there's a lot of these people out there that are truly teachers and with a wealth of knowledge, like you were saying, and it doesn't hurt to know it, at least, even if I'm not necessarily uh, don't have the time to apply it or, or the um, I don't know, the motivation to do so. I've just started to experiment with like even just pHing my water, you know. But um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely feeling a little more driven towards it now. And um, I was going to ask you about quickly before we wrap up uh, pH when you're mixing uh nutrients in your water your feed are you phing the water before you put the nutrients in or after i do it after okay i know some people do it before but i think it depends on the fertilizer that you're using i think it can affect the 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 reading Hmm. Uh, and also you know you're adding if you're trying to, to lower the ph you know a lot of people are using white white vinegar and then they'll they'll pH it and then they'll add their fertilizer. I, I tend to add my fertilizer and then pH it Yeah, and then apply it. Well, if I, if it's like, if it's like tap water that I'm using in my tank, I'll let that sit for a while and let the chlorine sort of escape the water and for at least, uh, you know, three to five days and, and then I'll, then I'll apply it. But yeah, I, I usually do my, my water meter, my reading after I, I fertilize, but you know, everybody has their own way, you know, and, yeah. and uh, routine, you know, people are, are stuck into their routine. And, and I say, you know, if it works for you and, and you're happy with the results of your plant, then, you know, there's, it's not wrong. You know, it's, yeah. everyone has their own way of doing things for sure. And, um, but yeah, you know, it's just the way I do it yeah. and the way I sort of was taught. Yeah correct way to do it yeah me too same but yeah 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 thank you yeah. for that because it's been debated before in the cannabis culture as well so I, I i wasn't really sure what was the correct way to do it or whatever but i appreciate that you don't just say hey look there's a blanket approach and this is how things should be done you're you're open-minded and you know yeah yeah well you know i'm always open-minded it's like there's some, certain things that you know i t- truly believed it was this way and the way I did it. And then somebody shows me, Oh, well, if you did it this way, check this out. And I'm like, wow, I never thought about that. And I'm going to try it. And then if you 
experience it and they have better luck with it, then you're like, well, that must be the way, you know? Yeah. You'd have to be open to different ways. Everyone's got different ways and some people have better ways about doing about things. I'm not a, I'm not an expert at this. This is like my hobby. Mm -hmm. So I'm always willing to learn what other people are doing and, and apply it to sort of my own habits and my own routine and, and my, and my plants, you know? So now, when you said you were talking about dechlorinating your water, how, how are you doing that for the five-day period? Oh, you're just letting it sit. In the sun? Letting it sit. Uh, I have I have it in my tank. is I have a 25-gallon tank in my greenhouse, but then I also have a rain catcher um, mm. that's connected to my drain pipes. Mm. Um, but when I'm using tap water, yeah, I'm just, just um, letting the whatever they put in our city tap water just like escape by just letting it sit for a while before I apply it to my plants. I just leave it in the tank with the top open. Okay. By letting it sit still, it, it dechlorinates. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah. 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 Kind of like what, when you had fish, you know, in your fish tank, you kind of let the tap water sit for a little bit, but you know, you let the fish in. Yeah. And then you have like these chlorinating, dechlorinating, little droplets yeah. yeah it's the same idea same concept i think very cool because yeah, chlorine will just like kill your roots you know immediately if you but well you know i take that back because i i know a lot of growers that just use tap water a hose uh, just a hose and their yeah. plants well you know yeah. you know it all depends like what works for you and what you think is working you know some people have the attitude where you know if it doesn't survive it doesn't survive you know sure. and i just way and you know that's not wrong you know that's that's kind of a good way to thin the herd too if you have too many plants or or not you know if it works for you it's awesome you know i'm not saying that that's that's a wrong approach but you know it's it's your approach it's somebody else's approach so yeah well ketoid lets them sink down to the bottom of his little barrel i don't have time to sink down and sit down there for like i think a long time yeah, like, he goes and he picks them off and drops it in his barrel, and one at a time, put it back. I, I just completely submerges them. Yeah, yeah. In my mind, I'm just lazy by by nature. You know, I just can't do that. <laughs> you know, just you. for your watering. You know, you're just grabbing every single one. But you know, it is nice to to actually touch and feel, and you know, just even bringing these little guys up uh, from the greenhouse up to my office. It was cool. You know, I I holding it and looking at it and inspecting it you know it's there's something pleasurable about it because you know we live in such a virtual you know virtual life on our Mm. on our screens you know our computers and our laptops and our iphones and whatever and it's nice to actually touch things and yeah it's something tangible yeah for sure my life is has been doing this like zoom meetings and virtual meetings and i'm doing it again on my own time but it's fun you know it's cool (laughs) yeah i hear you yeah yeah Yeah, sometimes i'm like man the social media thing it's like it's terrible for me i feel like i'm wasting hours and yet i'm so engulfed in it and now i've like pretty much married it by just starting this project you know (laughs) and yeah it's it's cool though it's it's difficult though you know it's it's hard to navigate because like i i want to just experience life too but i get caught up in it you know i really do we all do we all do and you know it's 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 again it's a balance right if if you're able to do other things with your kids and your family and and in in real life experience things and and then go into the social media world and do your own thing um like your podcast and you get some sort of pleasure out of that that's 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 awesome you know yeah it's all about it's all about you know making yourself happy yeah more than anything i feel like i'm uh, gaining an education you know like you were the teacher today hi puppy that's and Penny. that's my dog she's demanding something right now so yeah we're gonna wrap up i but yeah i appreciate you taking the role of the teacher today we're gonna spread this knowledge and it's so cool because it just it, it ripples and it goes god knows where you know i don't even know where half of these people are, are finding it. it. It's strange, but I very much appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. If everybody could please like, review, and subscribe to the podcast and hit that share button, I would very much appreciate that. Thank you so much. <laughs>